0: Welcome to Sunshine State Takes. My name is Brandon Carroll, and I'm here alongside my co host, Matt McConnell, for yet another edition of the podcast and a part two of an eight part series that we have breaking down each NFL division this season. So, uh, you know, after last week, we discussed the AFC East a little bit uh, with Matt's brother, Tyler McConnell, and we thought it went so well that we'd bring in yet another guest this week. So, without further ado, to talk about the AFC South, give a warm welcome. To Deputy Editor for Florida Gators Sports Illustrated and Beat Writer for Big Cat Country covering the Jaguars, my good friend, Demetrius Harvey. How you doing, Demetrius?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, You know, we're ready. I'm excited to talk about the Jaguars, talk about the AFC South, and really just dive into some more football as we hopefully approach a season this year.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, It's going to be a complicated situation, but I'm sure everybody's going to figure it out eventually
0: absolutely so matt how are you doing
2: i'm doing good man it's uh it's your regular wednesday i actually got a day off from work today so i've just been hanging out work's been kicking my butt uh long hours and such so i'm happy to have the day off happy to sleep in a bit happy to be here recording happy to have demetrius on so i think it's gonna be a good episode i'm really excited to delve into the content
0: absolutely so we're gonna send it to break real quick and we'll be right back with some great content
2: All right, guys, welcome in. Uh, Happy to have you guys here listening for another edition of Sunshine State Takes. We're going to get into the AFC South today, like Brandon said, part two of an eight-part series. As we are kind of left a little contentless because of the coronavirus, we're going to decide and take a look forward uh, and kind of make the most of what we have. So today is the AFC South, but before we get into that, we're going to get started with our usual intro segment. What's on your mind,
0: Brandon? You know, I have something on my mind that uh, it, it normally occurs during the month of May. And it's it's Florida recruiting. And it's it's the struggles more than other things, I should say. It's not really – you don't really see achievements in May for Florida recruiting. Um, you know, the past two years, there have been players that, before they even really stepped foot on campus, have exited the door there in Gainesville with Chris Steele last season and Isaiah um, – uh, wait – Demetrius, can you refresh my mind of his last name? Walker, Isaiah Walker, there it is. I just completely blanked right there. That's my bad. Um, but, you know, there's there's been guys that they have been lost to the transfer portal. There's been academic reasons for players leaving Mullen's classes in the past few years. And, you know, Twitter has its own fair share of critics. And I think that Gator fans, while they do have their opinions, some of them are misguided. I think it's a bit – it's time to take a step back and kind of relax. Uh, you know, it might not be – the thing we're seeing right now with Tennessee, who could, who's really picking out the people that they want. But if you look at the Florida recruiting class for the 2021 year, they have a higher per, per player average um, than the team sitting at number two in Tennessee. Uh, you know, and Dan Mullen, his MO since becoming head coach at Florida has been to really turn up the recruiting in the summer. Uh, Florida has been a top 10 recruiting team. I'm pretty sure in the past two years with Dan Mullen, I know last season for a fact, and um, he does so by doing you know, he does his recruiting during the season he shows that he can develop talent into being that uh, you know to their maximum uh, ability and he's really good at taking uh, you know players that aren't as good and making them the players that he wants them to be and putting emphasis uh, on the recruiting trail in the summer rather than the season so that he can focus and be all in uh with you, you know the season and everything how that's going and win with on the field rather than off the field which uh, you know it, it's kind of it goes hand in hand you have to have good players to win and that's something that the Gators have kind of struggled to obtain uh but at the same time I think it's time for Gator Nation um as they say to take a chill pill when it comes to 17 and 18 year olds making decisions that will affect them for the rest of their lives and you know stop tweeting at them and stuff like that so um do you have any thoughts about that Demetrius
1: yeah just to sort of uh, piggyback off of what you did it, it, the thing about recruiting i'm i'm pretty new to this so i'm i'm not going to lie i'm probably ignorant on a few of these things but from what i can gather it, it, it appears that the gator fans are upset about a couple guys leaving but they haven't really talked about more more of the people that are already there or the people that are about to be there in 2021 um when when you're looking at recruiting you can't just take it as if you know the the score right now is what it's going to be moving forward. You have to. There, there's definitely a lot of wiggle room. You, you can't think, oh, Tennessee's number two right now, so obviously they're going to be number two the rest of the way. That that's just not how it works. You know, obviously LSU is going to jump up. Georgia's still climbing. Uh, you know, Alabama. All of these all of these great colleges are going to rise up. And a couple of those guys who come into Tennessee have even played their senior senior season, obviously, and they could flip. You never know. So. There's just a, a couple of things where you you have to take it with a grain of salt in the spring, and even as you get into the summer. And then once once a fall hits, once they actually start to do their hard commits, then you can sort of reevaluate. And I feel like Dan Mullen's done a good job, at least from what I've seen the last year, um, of acquiring pretty top-tier talent. Like uh, Dexter this year is coming in, 2020 recruit. Yeah, He should be phenomenal, five-star. And then you have this year, obviously, you know, they lost out on um, – on walker from from this year's class but there's a couple guys that you know they might end up getting as as the months go on And i feel like as long as people can just wait be patient they'll be fine moving forward uh,
0: I hundred percent agree, and um, the big thing that I, you talked about how the numbers are or the rankings are not going to be the same as we approach uh, national signing day in December and you know early February how it normally falls out. But um, as of right now, there's teams like Tennessee, North Carolina, USC, Minnesota, Iowa, Notre Dame, and Miami, uh, all in the top ten. And you know Notre Dame might be up there, uh, but I can guarantee you Minnesota and Iowa are not going to be in the top ten. Uh, even even North Carolina when this all rounds out. And uh, you know Clemson's at four, and we all know how uh, you know good Clemson is at recruiting. How many, how much talent they bring in, and uh, Ohio State's at one, which that that could stick because Ohio State has done phenomenally well, especially um, in two recent years, which I couldn't believe when Meyer retired that they continued to get some players that they're getting. You know, they have a a Adele. I'm not 100% sure if I butch that name, but he is a uh, well-renowned player uh, in the high school ranks, and he's looking to as if he's going to be headed to Ohio State. He's committed, but, you know, at, it's always up in the air because some of these kids, they – they go throughout their process, they'll commit early and you know that doesn't mean that other t- you know other programs can't throw things at them that you know appeals to them uh, down the long run. So a commit in May is not the same as signing the paper in December. And I think that's something that while it hasn't happened at a high volume for Florida in recent years, you have to realize that it is far from over and there is more time to be able to make those strides to being one of the top recruiting teams in the nation. Something that Florida needs to do, especially against a team like Georgia who consistently ranks in top five, even top three classes um, with Kirby Smart in charge to be able to compete in the SEC with Dan Mullen as their head coach.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Recruiting definitely isn't my strong suit, but, I definitely agree uh, with what Dimitri said, kind of taking it with a grain of salt uh, because it is May, you know, the the, the papers are going to be signed in December and there are whole seasons, if seasons at all uh, to be played. And so, especially with football in particularly in 2020, we don't really have that clear direction yet of re- where really anything is going. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a matter of uh, do universities reopen for the time being do Uh, you know, do, do these high school players even get a chance to play football next season? And that might hinder their ability to, you know, even go with their verbal commitments they make now. It's just so many roadblocks, especially this year that we've seen that we've never seen before. Uh, So if people are kind of taking it to Twitter, being upset about recruits in May, uh, I, I can go ahead and agree that there isn't really a need to do that. It's a little unfair, especially now more than ever, given the circumstances. So uh, you know, we have a whole summer to go, and you know, I, I think it's definitely something that uh, could be revisited again when we know for sure what's going to happen with the football season.
0: Especially. And the biggest thing is that people are acting as if Florida isn't ranked sixth in this year's recruiting what? class. They, they're taking it as if they're, you know, like at, uh, USC last year, ranked in the 70s. It, it's something uh, – a USC team that's now ranked fifth. And I just think that, you know, things can turn around, um, but – taking a step back and realizing it's not going to happen in May. You're not going to be able to get those. is something that not just Gator fans need to realize, but fans all around um, the college football world at Tennessee and Miami fans need to realize as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and, and the thing is y- you can criticize the Gators for a couple of things. M- maybe Absolutely. you don't believe that they're strong. Yeah, maybe you don't believe they're strong at recruiting running backs or, you know, uh, whatever offensive lineman at at the same time you have to you have to take a step back and you have to think maybe they haven't found their guy or or maybe the the person that they're really after hasn't committed yet and then sometimes you get the what's his name Zach um Zach Evans you have his situation where that that just completely fumbled in terms of the entire college football landscape where no one knew where he was going to go his whole situation was bizarre to say the least and um TCU is getting a great football player, but you know perhaps there's underlying reasons why you know, Georgia pulled back and Florida didn't wasn't able to land him.
0: Yeah, and I, about Zach Evans, I think it was huge that he wasn't able to actually step on campus at Florida. Um, he showed what seems to me as if it was some pretty um, he, he showed interest in Florida. He showed that he was actually leaning towards Florida at one point, but just not being able to step on campus with all the coronavirus situations um going on and that that was a big for him but he's a special talent I think he will play be you know play very well at TCU um but that was I agree that was a bizarre situation definitely something that we I have never seen before um and it's going to be interesting this year this cycle of recruiting you know um Florida's holding virtual visits which I think is insane I don't know how that's possible Uh, I I don't really understand virtual visits at all just because, like, what are they doing walking you through slideshows and stuff. But um, I think we're going to see a bit of it pick up whenever – well, if it does, if football season starts, we're going to start seeing a bit more – we're going to see a bit more of an emphasis put on recruiting from the Florida coaching staff, guys like – uh, Tim Brewster, who recently got signed, you know added on to the Florida coaching staff, who is notorious for being a world-renowned recruiter and guys like that, and I, I think, like you said, it's it, there is places to criticize Florida, but there's also places to um, you know cut them some slack, especially in a situation like right now. Yep,
1: yeah. absolutely.
0: All right, so uh, Matt, what is on your mind today?
2: Uh, I don't, I don't really have much. I touched on it a bit earlier. Work in general has just been. Uh, you know, the chunk of uh, my time recently. uh, I'm kind of in the full swing of things now. I'm in the middle of my second week. uh, You know, Wednesday, Saturday, Sundays are my days off. So, Like I said, it's always good to to sleep in. Uh, Other than that, um, you know, there has been news about the baseball season potentially coming back. That's something we talked about last week. So that's something I've been continuing to monitor. I really hope baseball can make its way back. That would be awesome. Just really for any sport in general, just to get back on the the field and get back out there playing. I know something else we talked about last week was the KBO. Uh, they're playing, they're playing games without fans. The UFC has been having some fights in Jacksonville. So slowly but surely, I think we're starting to see things make its way back. It's really just at this point going to be a matter of, can the players and owners agree on salary? If they can, then I think uh, the green light is going to be there for baseball to go ahead and be played. And at that point, it's really just going to be waiting for July to see uh You know what the whole process is going to be like.
0: Yeah, for sure. And And, 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 um, sorry, you got it, Demetrius. And and
1: basketball is actually starting to uh, come back too, or or it might come back. And I I think I think they said in maybe two to four weeks they're going to sit down and and, and figure it out for sure, like whether or not it's going to come back. And 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 that's the thing. I mean, everybody wants sports back, and um, obviously there's a lot of science out there regarding the virus. I'm not going to get into all that, but just. It, it, it brings something back to the, the the fans the people it, it just brings people together so it, it just would be awesome if at least some form of sport could be played and then obviously um uh, people's jobs are on the line if sports hurt back or not too so yeah absolutely.
0: yeah
2: even with watching those UFC fights the other night it just felt normal or it, it felt it just felt good to kind of sit down on the couch and watch a a sporting event you know even it, it was definitely weird seeing no fans in the arena and all you know the media officials and whatnot with their masks on but just to have something going on just felt really good so it'll be nice uh you know if if we can figure all the details out to start getting you know some of these uh major sports leagues back again uh you know it doesn't have to be right now i know the mlb is targeted uh early july you know that's still you know two months a month and a half of uh, letting things play out. So, you know, I think if most leagues stick to that timetable and, uh, see it as it doesn't have to happen right now, then I, th- I think a lot of leagues will be in good positions to, uh, bring the game back in the safest way possible when they're ready.
0: Absolutely. And we saw, uh, you know, we're talking about UFC. We saw Francis Ngannou put on less of a fight and more of a beating, um, yeah. on, you know, in, in his, uh fight i should say uh but yeah it, there's just some normal normalities that are starting to you know return to you know not just american lifestyle but lifestyle all around the world we we're seeing uh baseball being played in korea um you know that's being aired here in the united states so uh there's just some things that are starting to s- seem as if they're on the right track to getting back uh, probably I, going to be I done without fans the, uh, but
2: i think the tom brady Peyton manning golf match got a got a date i yeah. think it's going to be may 24th so yeah it is, that's something yeah. else so that that's exciting news. That'll certainly be fun to watch. So yeah, uh, you know, uh, we we've waited it out. We've stayed inside. We stuck through it, and you know, we're starting to slowly but surely be rewarded with uh, you know these sporting events that we love so much making their way back. You know, uh, it'll I think it'll be here before we know it.
0: Absolutely. Hope so. Um, but yeah, and without so I guess uh, we can move on to uh, the AFC South preview. And that, that, that's going to be the main topic of our show today. So um, before we really get into breaking down each team's schedules and the outlooks for this season, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the, their division as a whole. So, you know, stars have departed from the AFC South. We have saw that, you know, throughout the, since last offseason, it, it, there's a completely different outlook. Uh, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in the game, DeAndre Hopkins, gone. You know, we got Calais Campbell, a pro bowler and leader of the Jacksonville Jaguars that just was you know he was the Walter Payton or yeah Walter Payton man of the year uh he's gone Jalen Ramsey who's a, who's a top five corner in the league arguably he's gone Jake Conklin a guy that who I believe is going to change the Tennessee Titans outlook on offense on the O-line this season he's gone uh you know you got a guy like Logan Ryan who intercepted Tom Brady on his last throw and took it back to the house as a patriot he's gone and then just to name off some other guys you got Delaney Walker Wesley Woodyard Jarrell Casey A.J. Bouye. Jonathan's, Joseph, Eric, Ebron, Pierre Desir, all gone from the AFC South, and so this is really going to look like a different division in terms of personnel on the field, and all players that saw significant time for these teams over the past year, over the past few years, um, you know, some more than others, uh, but for their respective teams in the past, uh, the the makeup of this division is just completely changed, and I think it's going to be something very interesting to watch as we go into this year because. We don't really know much. It's, teams are young. Teams are, yeah. they look different. Uh, Phillip Rivers made his way over from the uh, AFC West. He's now in the AFC South. So just some different times for the Texans, Titans, Colts, and Jaguars.
2: Absolutely. And for even, sure. up, I mean, I'm, oh, you, you, you yeah, got it, okay.
1: uh, it. It is interesting because the AFC South has always been that division where everybody can kind of looks at it and they're like eh, whatever they're they're there but you know that they're not going to be any anything special but over the past two years or the past few years uh two afc south teams have been in the afc championship games so you, ha- you have to consider what what's sort of making them them that way is it the quarterback positions the defense it seems like the the, the teams the, the way that they're made in the afc south they're usually run the ball stop the run play good defense uh quarterbacks were were never you are never used to be the the main you know the main point of contention for for teams going against them but now you're starting to see the the rise of, of players like uh Deshaun Watson Ryan Tannehill even though he only played well last year and then obviously Phil Rivers being inserted into the AFC South and then obviously the Colts had Andrew Luck right before so you have to start taking them a little bit more seriously uh the 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 teams might have changed a lot, especially the Texans with the Andre Hopkins. I think that that's going to be a huge, that's going to make a huge difference with their offense this season. and, And it should, he's probably a top three, maybe top, maybe top five, if you're not being generous, um, wide receiver in the NFL right now. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams play without some of their different players. And then also they're going to have different players that are, that have been inserted like Phil Rivers to the Colts. And, um, it, it's just going to be interesting to see the development over the next couple of years.
2: Absolutely. So one of the things I was going to start saying is, you know, it, it really is just uh, kind of piggybacking off you guys. It is really tough to tell the outlook for this division. Cause even today, uh, you know, before we all got together and started doing the show, I, I was looking through these teams kind of looking at their rosters. And I, I, I think I can confidently say that the Colts probably have the best roster in this division right now. I think if we are going to go ahead and pick mm-hmm. a team, to win the division, I would pick the Colts, but even today I was going through their schedule and I once again we're gonna get into their schedule in a bit. I only had them going ten and six. So um, you know, what while uh their roster looks good, um I, I just I, I still think there are teams that they're gonna have to play that are going to be better than them. You know, I don't think the Colts are going to come out and be this world beater but I could also again be 100% wrong you know the Titans went on this run last year that no one really saw happening in 2017 the Jags went on that run you know the Texans are always there causing trouble so there really is just no way to tell and this year uh, especially we have all these different players coming in players coming out I know we were listing some of the acquisitions I don't know if we mentioned DeForest Buckner to the Colts but I think that's the best addition that really any team in the AFC South made this offseason. That just adds so much more dominance to this Colts defense that is already looking so much better, you know, with guys like Darius Leonard and even Justin Houston having a solid year last year. Uh, So, uh, you know, kind of just to touch on how some of these teams are looking in their outlooks. Colts are a team I really like, but even then, I don't know if they're going to be able to be this dominant, dominant team.
0: Yeah, for sure, and if you look at this division, you have a Texans team who's won the AFC South four out of the past five years that, in my opinion, does not look primed to do it again. A Colts team that got an upgrade at quarterback and on the defensive side by going out and getting a guy like DeForest Buckner, and a Titans team that returns from the AFC Championship game appearance, which isn't always a recipe for success as we've seen from the 2018 Jacksonville Jaguars who also play in the same division who had that same sort of mantra that uh, Demetrius was talking about with the run the football play good defense but they've lost some pieces um, both offensively and defensively and then you look at the Jaguars who are just kind of counted out they're not really seen they've not looked at as a threat um, and they are actually underdogs in every single game that they play this season and are projected to go in 16 so um, that's that's how this division is looking right now. And so, um, with that being said, I think we should start by going after and, you know, kind of looking at that hometown team here in Duval, the Jacksonville Jaguars, its upcoming season. So, uh, if you guys have anything about the Jaguars, go ahead and shoot. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, first of I, I all... I'll... You go ahead, you go ahead. Okay, yeah. Uh. First off, um. Owen 16 isn't going to happen in Jacksonville. I don't think 2-14 is going to happen either. I You know, I've seen Bleacher Report kind of tag that record on Jacksonville. Um, I actually think Jacksonville could, and even if it's just by a game, I, I think they'll, they'll be a bit better than they were last year. I think a lot of things out of the gate just went wrong from week one for Jacksonville. You know, Foles getting hurt, not even like that mattered, because that's when we learned that Minshew really, maybe more so than Foles is the guy in uh, you know, obviously that question was answered for us by the end of the season. I think Minshew has what it takes to keep this team in a lot of games this year, even uh, because, you know, we saw him last year. Even if B O line isn't at the top of its game, it, Minshew's a guy whose pocket mobility can kind of overcome that in a sense, and he he's really good at improvising and making some plays. That, you know, maybe guys like Nick Foles or Blake Bortles or you know, especially like Blaine Gabbert were they're never really able to make. So probably for the first time in a while, we have – quarterback expectations and I, I really do think Minshew can live up to them so uh, in terms of the Jaguars I I kind of like what they have on offense um, Brandon and I talked about it a few weeks ago the Chris Thompson signing uh, bringing him back with Jay Gruden and kind of adding some more uh, pass catching ability to the backfield I think will be good not having to put all the pressure on Fournette because if the O-line once again isn't good it's going to be a struggle for Fournette but having Thompson a guy you could throw the football out of the backfield. I think that'll be able to open up some more possibilities on this Jags offense. So I, I do think the Jaguars have the pieces to maybe not win a whole bunch of games, but be competitive in a lot of games. And, you know, maybe if it's not this year, the year after, uh, they'll be ready to compete pretty darn soon, I think.
1: Yeah, I I, I would have to agree because the, the thing is, while the Jaguars are a, a team that's clearly in a, I wouldn't say rebuilding. A lot of people like to say rebuilding, but it's more like a, a retooling period where yeah. their their team is sort of in flux. You don't necessarily know exactly who's going to be the guy on offense. Obviously, you have DJ Chark, Glenn Furnett, Gardner Minshew, but then everybody else, it's sort of up in the air. You, you really don't know as of right now. Their defense, obviously, last year was was uh, bad, to put, it, <laughs> to put it into terms. The but um, the, the, Yeah, to say the least. But the, 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 the thing is, they do have the talent across the board on the roster to to be competitive at, at, at the very least this year uh, i don't necessarily think that they're going to be world beaters at all but to put them as underdogs in every single one of their games i'm not sure that that's um that's reasonable either uh, the jaguars are, are going to be interesting this year they have too many too many places where you're you're kind of questioning what's going to happen and even though that that they did address the cornerback position i'm still concerned with uh, the depth behind cj henderson and then also i need to know if trey Herndon's going to actually improve this year All right he-, he showed some 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 great strides last year but y- you really don't know um going back on offense the gardner minshew he's a guy that everybody's going to be looking at obviously uh as the the, the Minshew media the, the Minshew magic whatever you want to call it um while there, there's been some debate about whether or not he's going to be able to take that next step and whether or not people are overrating him a bit, which which I do think is fair, um, I do think he also has like some of the traits that, that you want to see in a starting quarterback, where he's going to be able to make the plays that are sort of uh, off kilter, where you you don't know you don't know what he's going to do, and then he's going to make a play because of it. He's, he did that plenty of times last year. Um, the biggest thing is going to be his ability to stay. Uh, calm be able to read defenses a little bit better and continue his development
0: absolutely and I think uh, with Minshew returning for his second year as a starter in Jacksonville we're gonna see um, a bit more of an offense geared towards him with Jay Gruden being the play caller and not John Filippo. you know Filippo was kind of in, in not to try to you know call out Filippo, but he wasn't really trying to make it easy for Gardner Minshew. He was more calling to the play style of Nick Foles, who is, is not the mobile... Uh, type of guy in the pocket. He's not this guy that wants to roll out of the pocket and make those, uh, like you said, those plays like we saw against Denver, the one against the Jets where he stopped and they both flew by and he threw a dot in there to DJ Chark in the corner of the end zone. But, um, you know, we're going to see that this season from Jay Gruden. We're going to see a lot of play action getting Minshew outside of the pocket, throwing short to intermediate passes across the field, um, you know, working outside towards the numbers as he rolls out to his right. And uh, I think that's going to open up the deep passing game for Minshew, who. Uh, in terms of numbers, he excelled last year in the deep passing game, despite not having that strong of an arm. Um, and just to kind of ask a question, Demetrius, what do you think? The uh, you know, if if you were to have a ceiling or floor for Minshew or both, uh, what do you think is the both of those for him? And if you ha- and also reasonable expectations for this upcoming season?
1: Uh, when you say a floor and ceiling, in in terms of what?
0: Just uh, his his overall play. Like, wh- where do you think he can? Like, how well do you think he can play in terms of record-wise and then also just in terms of progressing progressing and taking his talents or taking his play to the next level this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think his four is pretty much what you saw last year is going to be his four where he might struggle a bit against more complex defenses or more defenses that take away the, the number one guy right away. Um, I think you saw that in the Saints game. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few others. I think the the Chargers game. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure. There, there was a couple where you saw where he just wasn't getting it going. He he just couldn't figure it out. He didn't understand, or he he didn't find the the open receivers. Um, I think that Jay Gruden coming in is going to help him worlds because, uh, like you said, D Flippa was brought in to be Nick Foles' uh, offensive coordinator. He wasn't brought in to be uh, Garner Minshew's guy. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to understand that Jay Gruden does have the short and intermediate passing game down, that that's his bread and butter, mm-hmm. obviously with Alex Smith, uh, even with RG3 back in the day, uh, and then Andy Dalton, obviously when he was the offensive coordinator of the Bengals. So you have that skill set to combine it with a guy like uh, Jay Gruden where it should, it should lead him to be a much better passer this year. What I want to see out of him this year – specifically is working the the middle of the field for some reason the Jaguars couldn't get that going at all the tight end position I am sure was was one of the biggest factors but they didn't do they didn't work the middle of the field at all and and one of the issues with Gardner coming out was he's a he's a a shorter guy I mean people always want to point out Drew Brees and Russell Wilson for guys that have been able to overcome that but not every quarterback who's smaller can do that so i just want to be able to see him play a little bit more off platform and figure out the the middle of the field a little bit better other than that i i think the i don't want to say the sky's the limit for him but like the 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 plays that the biggest plays that he showed last year were some of the plays that you see in every single starting quarterback in the nfl or every single big, big time starting quarterback in the nfl so it's going to be interesting to see his progressions as he acquires more weapons and, and figures out the the offense a little bit better.
2: Yeah. And uh, you mentioning the middle of the field and uh, you know, a reason for that maybe being because of the lack of a tight end that actually leads me into a question I had, you know, we had the addition of Tyler Eifer and then we drafted guys like LaVisca Chennault and Colin Johnson. You pair those guys up with Chark and Westbrook, you know, you got Fournette and Thompson in the backfield. So my question is, how confident really are you, and this question is for you, Demetrius. Brandon, if you want to answer, too, you can. Um, how, like, How confident are you guys in these pieces around Minshew, and is there potential here for a top offense in the NFL?
1: Yeah, well, for me, the confidence would have to come from health. Uh, the t- Tyler Eifert obviously has had a very up-and-down career. He's, he's been one of the best tight ends in the NFL at some points, and then one of the tight ends that everybody forgets about because he hasn't right. been on the field so uh, for him as long as he can stay healthy the you know, all 16 games um i believe jay gruden has a has a pretty good plan for him uh we, we haven't heard from from jay yet but it, it should be interesting to see how how he uses uses him in the offense and then obviously the development of um josh um josh oliver is going right. to be extremely extremely valuable going into next season um the same thing with lavisca chanel he's He's probably one of my favorite players uh, that they took this year, and the thing is, he can be a game changer. He can be the guy that can make plays from anywhere on the on the field. He can be a running back. He can be a he can be like a, a f slash tight end kind of role. He could he could be a quarterback like a, a, a wildcat quarterback. He can do everything, and then obviously receiver as well. So the, the thing about him is he plays a little bit too rough, or. I guess I shouldn't say too rough, but he plays a little bit rougher than most wide receivers would, which leads him to get injured a little bit more often. And then that's kind of been his biggest, you know, biggest red flag going into this season. So as long as he can stay healthy, as long as Eifert can stay healthy, I see big things coming out of both those guys uh, this year. And then obviously you you mentioned DJ Chark. He's going to be incredible. And then D.D. Westbrook, I'm, I'm not sure about him yet just because of how, he hasn't progressed as much as you would like to see in the last couple of years. All right.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I, you know, Chark is head and shoulders above the rest of the players on, on this team in terms of talent. He's just uh, someone that can, I think is going to progress into being um, that star wide receiver. We thought we had when we had, uh, you know, uh, Alan Robinson, who then got, let go for some unknown reasons but um and then you, you got a guy like LaVisca Chenault who I 100% agree is a guy he can be used in multiple different ways he can, he is a game changer he wherever the ball gets in his hands he's go he's a threat to take it all the way to the house and uh you know just having someone like that on your team is never something that it's always something you can use it's always something that you aspire to have and just because he has had that health, you know, the health issues playing at Colorado, I think uh, you know they're going to ease him into the play- game plan a bit more. But he's definitely a guy that uh, is going to be a threat. Where you know, coming out of the backfield as a running back at times, so you know, um, he's going to be that slot receiver who can take you deep. He he's just a guy. He's all around player who can really get it done. Uh, in all facets of the game. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, he, he, like you pointed out, he hasn't shown that progression that we thought he was going to have, but uh, he'll be working out of the slot inter- this year, uh, I, I think, a lot more than he has in the past. You know, they've kind of moved him around a bit uh, with, with just because there hasn't been that number two guy alongside D.J. Chark. Uh, even before last year, we didn't have a number one guy. So, or the Jaguars didn't have a number one guy. And so, uh, and, I don't credit that to you know DJ Chark becoming this insane number one receiver in the NFL type of guy, but he just showed last year that he took that large leap, and we're going to see again this season if he can do that again. Um, you, you you all mentioned about Tyler Eifert coming over, and when he's healthy, he's a reliable pass catcher from the tight end position but a guy that I think has been very underrated who was honestly going to show that he was going to be this team's number one tight end last season before he got injured uh, against the Panthers was uh, James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, He is someone that I thought was spectacular last season. He was, uh, you know, doing things that we haven't seen from a tight end since, you know, we saw flashes of it from Mercedes Lewis when he'd have his annual three touchdown game every year. And then he'd go, uh, you know, silent for the rest of the season. Uh, but I think James O'Shaughnessy is definitely going to be a major piece in not only playing alongside Tyler Eifert, but both of those guys really pouring into Josh Oliver to become that guy that the Jaguars thought they had when they drafted him last season um, before he got injured, you know, by in training camp um and then Leonard Fournette he's he's in our back he's in the backfield he's going to be someone that is he's not going to be someone that is spectacular pass you know and catching the passes out of the backfield uh that's why Chris Thompson came in he's going to be that third down back he's going to be that guy that uh really um you know He he's going to be that guy that they can use in situations on third and seven when they really have to be able to move the chains and stuff like that. And then there's role players like Chris Conley and uh, uh, Keelan Cole, who I believe to be pretty solid. We saw Keelan Cole kind of reemerge at the end of last season. He was kind of you know dropped out of the game plan after a shaky season 2018 um but the person that i believe to be that that one guy that i think could be a sneaky player for this jackson wide receiver core is colin johnson he is a monstrous figure he's lengthy and he can make catches in traffic and i think uh if he is able to put those tools together and translate to the next level as well as i think he will he's going to be a surprise for some people this season with his performance
2: I can agree with that. I know um, Colin Johnson was a pick that me and you both really liked, and I I like Colin Johnson really. Uh, Ever since I really watched him play that Sugar Bowl against Texas, uh, I I tried to watch him as much as I could last year. I tried – obviously Texas uh, had their ups and downs, and I know Colin Johnson had his fair share of some injury issues, but that's a pick that I personally really loved, and that's a guy I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. And just that wide receiver group as a whole, um, and, you know, you guys can – Feel free to debate this, but I feel like if there's really any group of players that the sky is the limit on this team, it could be this wide receiver group. Cause we already know what Chark can do. We already have our expectations for Chark. He, he needs to be better than he was last year. If this Jags team is going to take the next step. And like Dimitri said, we haven't seen it from Westbrook yet, but you know, maybe this is the year where Westbrook finally takes that next step. Conley is kind of like that veteran presence that's there on the team to mentor all of them. Obviously, Chenault can be used anywhere on the field. Uh, Personally, when I think of Chenault, I kind of think of Cordero Patterson and his tenure with the Patriots, kind of just in terms they used him in running back. He returned kicks. um, uh, They had Brady give him a lot of those touch passes in the backfield that he could take for 15, 20 yards. So I I think there is a lot of versatility in this wide receiver group. And I think, you know, obviously, Minshew is a guy we have a lot of high expectations for. But if there's really a group on this team that, if they're able to put it together, the season could go in the right direction. It could be the wide receivers.
1: Absolutely. The the, the wide receivers on this team, like you were saying, they're, they're kind of one of those things where you you, you take them and, and you think, well, this guy has a lot of potential. This guy has some potential. But they haven't really necessarily shown it completely on the field, especially for obviously for the guys that are just coming in, like the rookies, uh, Schindel and, and Johnson. Wow. But you also have those guys where... You know that they have the tools to be successful. You've seen it before. We've seen flashes of it from DD Westbrook, and we've even seen flashes from it, uh, of it from Keelan Cole. Right. Uh, His his 2007 season was was incredible, and then our our 2017 season was incredible. But then 2018, he kind of took a step back. 2019, I'm not really sure what went on, but the Jaguars just didn't use him as much. And then once they did use him, he he performed well. So, he's a guy that should come in and, and be a solid addition to their to their receiver group. And you you really never know if, if, if there's one group on the on the team where it has a ton of potential and you're just waiting for it to click. It, it is it is that wide receiver group. And I think that Gardner Minshew is going to thrive because of it um, or he should thrive because of it. And um, if he doesn't, then I guess we'll figure it out from there.
2: I mean, at least one thing that we could definitely guarantee is the combination of, you know, the there, basically what I'm trying to say is there will be no shortage of targets for Minshew this year. Uh, you're you're going to have, I mean, we're, we're still obviously waiting to see Chennault and Johnson in action, but, uh, you, you know, we know what Eifer can do when he's healthy. We've seen flashes from O'Shaughnessy. Uh, so pretty much whenever the ball's in Minshew's hands, he'll, there should be somewhere on the field for him to go. Uh, so that that's a good sign there.
0: That's, yeah, for
1: sure. that's for sure. For sure. One of the things I, I did want to touch on with, with James O'Shaughnessy, since his um, his ACL injury was so late in the season, I'm not sure how how high expectations I have for him this year. Um, he's probably going to start training camp uh on the PEP list. I would imagine he could. It, that could linger into the season, only because of how, how late that that was in. I remember seeing him um, walking around on on the on the Jaguars campus or whatever you want to call it the Jaguars facility and he still had the boot on and he still right. wasn't walking that well and that was that was a few months after his his surgery so it's going to be interesting to see how how he progresses in his rehab and um and if he can hit the field you know when when, when the time's ready
0: All right yeah uh i mean he suffered the injury in october um and so i i do understand where you know ACL is Uh, It used to be an injury where if that happened, you were done for, you know, 8 to 12 months. It was something that really took just vigorous time and effort to get back to being, uh, you know, that player that you were before. But um, there's so many advances in, uh, you know, medicine and uh, just ways to be able to uh, preserve your body and be able to get back to being in that position you were when you even went down. And um, we've seen that recently with players that... Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson uh, not too long ago tore his ACL, and we've seen him tear up the league recently. And I'm not trying to say that Deshaun Watson and James O'Shaughnessy are the same person in terms of just overall versatility and athleticism. Um, just straight up, you know, I'm just saying uh, I think James O'Shaughnessy, while he might not be that factor that I think... Um, you know, he was at the beginning of last season. As the season progresses, that he's going to be that number two guy alongside Tyler Eifert, who are both going to be viable weapons for Minshew to utilize over the middle of the field, which they didn't do so well last season.
1: Absolutely, they they should be.
0: For sure. And, uh, you know, getting into... The what I believe to be just a completely flipped defense. We're going to see a different scheme this year from the defense. We're going to see new faces all over, and it's going to be something quite interesting. And it all starts in the middle with the guy that the Jacksonville Jaguars went out and poached from the Cleveland Browns, and Joe schobert who immediately aids that you know middle of the Jaguars defense, not just against the run, but also in coverage, um, against you know when lining up against tight ends and running backs and. End result allows Miles Jack to be in a bit more of a free roaming, and I, I would say a, a bit more comfortable in the Jacksonville defense because of his athleticism and the things that he's able to do with a you know some responsibility not on his back. All right.
2: Yeah. yeah no, sure. and, no,
1: go
2: ahead. Uh Yeah. No, I just wanted to t- touch on and say uh, that out of you know, based on the time period during free agency that the Jags were able to bring in Schobert, there wasn't really given, you know, what was left. There wasn't really a better signing they could have made. And I, I I think Schobert just really fits what the Jags want to do on defense so well because of what it allows them to do with Miles Jack, uh, you know, put him back where he plays his best football. So uh, I, I think uh, Schobert is a signing that we should all be excited about. And, uh, you know, if they're are any X factors on the Jaguars someone that just has the ability to take over a game. He, he could be one of those people. So uh, I'm really excited about him. I'm excited to see him play when the season rolls around.
1: It should be interesting because um, like you were saying, Joe Schobert does bring a lot more to the defense than simply bringing himself. You know, he, he does provide that pass coverage and and he can get after against the run and he's so scheme versatile that he can probably blitz a little bit better than most linebackers or most middle linebackers could in the nfl mm-hmm. um but the one the, the biggest thing in my opinion that, that he brings to the table is is that miles jack transition to a weak side linebacker now he hasn't played it um in the nfl at all but the thing about miles is when you saw him play at ucla you saw a guy that was able to roam around the field he's able to get after it sideline to sideline kind of guy he's not necessarily that on the ball Linebacker, maybe a Sam, or you know, he's not that guy who's a field general who's going to be right. lining people up, and making sure that he's still responsible for his own actions. Um, you saw that last year when he was thrust into the starting lineup again at middle linebacker after transition to it in 2018. Um, he just wasn't ready, in my opinion, to have the the guys that were next to him a Quincy Williams, a Leon Jacobs and being able to, to make sure that they're in the right place, make sure the defense is all lined up. So when you bring in a guy like Schobert, he's going to be able to be the field general. He's going to be able to be the guy that can that has played middle linebacker for years now or a couple of years now in Cleveland and has thrived at the position. So he he should bring a lot more, um, a lot more oomph to the Jaguars' defense than, than we've seen in years past.
0: Definitely, and the Jaguars going to that 3-4 is something that was a pretty big topic uh, in terms of, you know, Todd Wash has for years has stated that he, as long as he's in Jacksonville, they will run a 4-3, and, uh, you know, with his job on the line, while he does still have a job, um, he has finally agreed to, um, you know, try to transition into that 3-4 as, you know, 3-4 scheme, and Something the Jaguars have done two years in a row is they've gotten guys that can play that three-four to fill out the edges. They've gotten uh, Josh Allen and Klayvon Chason at the beginning, um, you know, of both drafts and uh, in the first round of each draft. And those are two players that they can play big roles as edge rushers in that three-four, but they can also drop back into coverage if needed. Uh, you know, we saw uh, you know Josh Allen do so at Kentucky, Chaseon do so at LSU. You know, they get after the passer more than not, but at the same time, they have. The ability to be able to you know drop back in coverage and play those running backs coming out into the flats or even a tight end if they if it's so if they're so called upon to do so and just having players like that um, if and especially if unique fails to suit up the versatility within those it's going to be really hard to tell you know the the disguise how the jaguars disguise that defense they can do so many things with that and really confuse opposing uh, offenses because. In, in, in terms of you know film based off last year, they're not going to be able to see anything, and I think this Jacksonville defense is going to be a lot different than we've seen in years past.
1: No doubt about that. The 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 addition of Caleb on chase on the subtraction, I guess maybe subtraction of Yannick Ngakwe is going to change the is <laughs> it, it, going to change the, the Jaguars defense for for a long time. And the, the, the thing about the 3-4 transition, I, I would like to hear from from Todd Walsh a bit. We, we haven't gotten the chance to, to hear from him yet. Yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be completely a 3-4 defense from, you know, first down to fourth down, yeah. every single play of, of the game. I, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of uh, a transition period there where they're going to be a little bit more multiple than just straight up 3-4. Um, but y- you have to admit that the – the thought of Caleb on chase on and then Josh Allen on the other side, it, it does present a pretty good, you know, th- three, four scheme. If, if you would like to run that, um, when they drafted chase on, I was thinking, uh, I'm not sure about this pick because he's more of a guy that would have to stand up in a two point stance. And then, but once they clarified that that's what he's going to be doing, makes the pick worlds better. So mm. we'll see what, what they're going to end up being specifically, uh, next year, but, it, it, it should be interesting.
2: Yeah. And just, just a question. Uh, what, what, what do we think the future holds for unique in at this point? Because, uh, Brandon and I personally have discussed it a lot. We've been discussing it really as far as before even the coronavirus came around. And at that time we were kind of discussing like trade targets for him and, you know, where we think we could go, but then this whole Twitter scandal happens and he, tra- he tanks his, uh, trade stock a bit and I, I personally think unique is in a situation where if, if he can if he can play in Jacksonville next year and play well that should be what he needs to do to get his payday from the Jaguars uh, but I just don't think he sees it that way so w- what do you think the future holds for unique at this point because uh, you know we're, we're getting closer and closer to the season every day and we really don't have any idea
1: well I, I, I'm sort of a in a weird spot because I, I feel I feel like he's just not gonna play and I know that a lot of people are still holding out hope um, that the guy's gonna suit up but just being able to talk to him and uh, getting to know that the type of person he is he's definitely a man of his word so if he says That's he's right. not gonna suit up for the Jaguars uh, you can pretty much bet he's not gonna suit up for the Jaguars unless it's a situation where he sits out the first 10 games of the season and then you know just to get on that accrued season this year uh, he, he might play the last six or whatever it may be but i I don't see him backtracking off of what he said he kind of put himself in a weird spot where now he's either gonna have to go back on his word and play for the jaguars or and sign that franchise tag or he's gonna have to you know lose out on i believe it is almost 17 million dollars so um for a guy that's only made around i think what four million or Something like that throughout his career. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see him decline all of that money moving forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Jags really hold, you know, all the marbles in this one. They they don't really. They're in a position where they can kind of just let Unique sit until they get a trade um, that they are just wild about. Um, you know, in terms of getting, you you want to go out and you want to get uh, assets back for a player as good as Unique is um, rushing the passer. He, you know, for seasons we've seen him be able to get after, uh, you know, the players in the backfield and really get after the ball in in terms of you know creating strip sacks and stuff like that. But uh, the Jaguars were able to get two draft picks for or two first round draft picks for a guy like Jalen Ramsey who was also in a similar boat who expressed uh, you know frustration with the franchise um, the same way Unique has, and without Unique really being able to help himself in terms of his outburst on Twitter and really, you know, kind of lowering his uh, value, I should say. It could be interesting to, for the Jags to just kind of let him sit and let him sit on the bench in Jacksonville and continue to lose out on that money. And also, in the same, in the meantime, fail to achieve, you know, fail to show that he is as valuable as he believes he is uh, in the terms of him being able to get that contract that he aspires to have. And so um, it's going to be definitely interesting to see how the Jaguars are able to take this situation and move on with it. But at the same time, I think that they have, they're the ones that hold unique's fate in their hands. And if he doesn't want to play, I think that, um, Dave, Dave Caldwell is not afraid to let him sit uh, on the bench this season.
1: No, he, he, he's not, he's, he's not going to be a guy that, or Dave Polo is not going to be a guy that, um, going to flinch necessarily when it comes to a, a player wanting to sit out he's going to play it by how, how it goes he's going to present the options to unique and then whatever happens happens if, if he plays he plays which is great for the Jaguars defense they will have three fantastic or potentially fantastic uh, pass rushers if he doesn't then you know they already hedged their bets and they got Caleb on so yeah it, it, it's a situation where they're going to have to hope out or hope that they can either get something of value in the trade market, which um as the time goes on, probably the less likely that is. Um, or they're just gonna have to just let him do whatever he's gonna do and, and ignore him until the time comes.
0: Definitely.
2: Uh yeah, and just one last thing. i I I I'm just gonna give props to Jacksonville because it's definitely a bit of a tough card they've been dealt with unique in terms of how unique has been handling it, but I really think Jacksonville has handled it the best they can. You know, uh, I, I think Tony Khan really, really uh, set him straight on Twitter. I think the, the Jags made the smart move by getting Caleb on and, you know, uh, setting themselves up for success if Unique is to leave or if he is to get traded. So, uh, you know, Unique definitely hasn't made it easy on Jacksonville, but I still really applaud the way Jacksonville has gone about, you know, kind of putting the team first and making the decisions that, put their team in a position to be successful despite potentially losing arguably one of their best players on the roster
0: definitely and so uh, getting into you know the schedule overall um, I'm not gonna go game by game since we've taken so much time on the Jaguars to start but um, I actually have the Jaguars um, coming out to a record of 7-9 and nine this season. That's and, what I have. And so, you know, th- they're going to be a team that I think they can range anywhere from, you know, four to even eight wins. Um, it, it really just is a toss-up in the air. Um, there's some games that I think down the stretch that they're going to start to fall off. I think, um, you know, there's, a, there's a, you know, a stretch of games where they go Packers, Steelers, Browns, Vikings, and I think that's going to be probably the toughest stretch of this uh, schedule. And just having to be able to go. And that doesn't even include going, uh, playing against Tennessee who has had their number for years and then against the Ravens. Um, so there's just so many ways that this schedule can swing, but I think, um, while they are underdogs in every matchup, they are going to be able to pull out some wins that, um, are quite unexpected.
2: I agree with you and I I marked them down for seven as well. Um, I'm actually just going to read through. I'm not going to, really give any in-depth into each game but just kind of give you an idea of what I had I think they're going to start off 0 and two I think uh you know that's a new look indie team they're going to be good I think they come into Jacksonville win week one and then obviously at Tennessee is the annual Derrick Henry stiff arm someone on the Jaguars and <laughs> so uh to be decided who that's going to be this year uh I think they beat Miami on Thursday night they get their first win, kind of similar to last year you know they oh and two had Tennessee came come in uh the Jags perform very well in that game. Uh, I I actually think they got a three-game win streak through that stretch. I think they beat all of uh, Miami at Cincinnati at Houston, and they're going to lose to Detroit going to their bye, come out, win in L.A. at the Chargers, lose to the Texans at home, lose to the Packers. I actually have them beating both the Steelers and Browns in a row, uh, but that Vikings-Titans-Ravens stretch is where it falls apart. I think they lose all three of those. Um, You know, you just have to play your best, best football to win a three game stretch like that, especially after winning two tough games against the Steelers and Browns. I don't think the Jags are there yet to really uh, put together a win streak like that. I think they're going to lose those. I think they beat Chicago and then finish out with the, the, the L in Indy. So that, that's what I got. I got seven and nine, just a little insight into how I put that together.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, that's um for, for me. It's, it's it's really hard to say i i, I kind of have them hovering around four to six wins yeah. and maybe that's a little bit pessimistic but but that's kind of ha- how i see it and it's mostly because of that latter half of the schedule <laughs> yeah. um playing the packers Steelers, vikings uh ravens and, and even the bears because their their defense is still pretty pretty solid m- moving forward um just having having that rack up against you uh, back to back to back kind of it, right. it's just it's just one of those situations where i'm not sure that this team is ready to take that next step um i actually have them favorably you know going or doing pretty well in, in the first half of the first half of the schedule when, when they're going against the dolphins Bengals, and the um, and even the even the lions I'm, I'm not sure how i feel about that team so it, it's, it's just one of those things where they're gonna have to show that they have the the necessary pieces around them to sorry if, if you guys can hear my dog but uh, they're gonna have to show the the necessary pieces around them to um to to get better this season
0: yeah, for sure. And um, so, what I'll i, I, I would just I would read it out like Matt did for my win loss projections. I actually have um, the Jaguars winning in week one against a Colts team that I think is going to actually be on top of this division this year. And I'm going to uh, explain this one real quick, and then I'll just go through the rest of the schedule. But I just think, you know, week one without uh, what, what looks to be, what might be a, uh, you know, condensed season with a new quarterback, you know, some a new pieces on the defense. We're going to see, uh, I think there's going to be a bit of a learning curve for the Colts. And uh, while I do think it's a close one, the Colts always seem to struggle in Jacksonville for some reason. Um, and so I think that the Jaguars win a close one in week one, they'll then go play the Titans. I think they lose against the Titans. Um, I think the dolphins who I think are going to be pretty solid this season and are going to continue to climb up that ladder. Um, if they get some more offensive help, uh, I think they lose on Thursday night. Um, but then I have them beating the Bengals, losing to the Texans, beating the Lions, and then going to the bye. I have them beating the Chargers, beating the Texans, losing to the Packers, losing to the Steelers, losing to the Browns, losing to the Vikings, winning Titans, losing Ravens, winning Bears, losing Colts. I just think that you know we're gonna see uh, some, we're gonna see a three-game win streak, four-game lose streak. It just seems to how the Jaguars always work. They give some hope and then they take it away, and so that's yeah. how I kind of, um, that's how I kind of
1: how the schedule fall out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, can
0: definitely I see that.
2: It seems like we all kind of agree. It's going to be that back stretch that kills the Jags. And honestly, like this year, uh, you know, it, I, I just don't really think there's any way around that for them. I think regardless of, even if this team does fire on all cylinders for a portion of the season and, you know, start, start to turn some heads. I just think, I just think that backstretch is too tough and, you uh, you know, maybe if they beat up on those teams like the Bengals and Lions and Chargers in the beginning of the season, some of those strengths that the Jaguars might've had, you know, might get exposed when they go up against like Minka Fitzpatrick and the Steelers, or, you know, when that Jags offensive line has to go up against Daniel Hunter and uh, you know, some of those, those brute forces up front on the Vikings. And uh, you know, maybe they don't really find a way to shut down that running attack of the Ravens stuff like that. I, I just think there are too many, Uh, strengths on all those teams for the Jaguars to put together a good win streak against them. So um, I I think that that, that's where it goes wrong. I I think it'll be a pretty enjoyable season up until then, but that's when it'll be kind of rough. But I also feel like if the Jags get off to a good start and they do end up losing those games, I feel like we can't get on them too much because it's kind of expected. If they can at least show those signs that they have what it takes to be a good team in the first half of the season, I think we have to be all right with that. Um, and it, it, they just need to at least be competitive in those stretches in the back half. And I, I, I think I could be pretty, co- pretty content with their season. Uh, if they at least just show competitiveness and not just get blown out of the water, like they did uh, last year when they decided to put foals back in.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, uh,
1: and my pessimism isn't necessarily because of um, the talent on the roster; it's more because of how young the roster is. Yeah. Um. You, you have guys that are going to be rookies playing, having to play a major role. Um. The expectations put on C.J. Henderson this year are it, it's going to be insane, and and not only because he was a top ten pick, but because of the guy who that he's pretty much brought in to replace, and that's um Jalen Ramsey. So it's it, it's one of those things where the defense is going to have its you know. Ups and downs, and the offense I feel like is in a similar boat, where they're not necessarily, you know, they don't have the veteran talent necessarily on on the field. They have a couple of guys like Brandon Linder, Tyler Ayerford, Chris Conley who have had years in this in this um, in this uh, NFL so far. But it's it, it's just it's just one of those teams that are really young, and they're going to have to take their lumps. And that back half of the schedule is just uh, filled with veteran teams.
0: All right. Definitely. And so uh, I have seven and nine. Matt has seven and nine. And Demetrius has anywhere from four to six wins, which, um, if in any of those scenarios, I would be happy considering the Jaguars are not favored in one game all season. So uh, getting into the next team, uh, it's the Jaguars' week one and week 17 opponents in the Indianapolis Colts. So we're going to talk a little bit about the team that I believe to be the team to be in the AFC South. So uh, you guys want to start with what you could believe about the Colts this
2: season? Uh yeah. Well, I touched on them a bit in the beginning of the show. Like I said, I have them going uh, 10 and six. And uh, you know, we talked about like DeForest Buckner, Philip rivers coming in. They had a fantastic off season. I think they went ahead and got their guy. I think Phillip rivers is just the guy who was out there on the market that they felt gave him the best chance to win this year. Uh, what was the contract one year, 25 mil. So You know, they have him for a year. Not really sure what happens after that. But um, I also like some of what they did in the draft. I like Michael Pittman Jr. I think that's a good guy to put on the other side of T.Y. Hilton, add some more versatility to that wide receiver group. Uh, Jack Doyle, as always, will be pretty good at the tight end position. Um, That offensive line is dominant, and it goes really hand-in-hand with uh, Marlon Mack. And now they added Jonathan Taylor, who if – can work on his fumbles issue I think does have the ability to be one of the best up the middle running backs in the league. He just, you know, he ran with so much power at Wisconsin and it's really going to be no different in Indy in terms of, he's going to be behind just a fantastic, fantastic offensive line. So I think, um, and that's just on the offensive side of the football. I think the Colts are geared to be one of the better offenses in the league.
1: Yeah, I, I I'll have to agree with that. The, the thing about the Colts offense, it's all going to hinge on, um, on Philip rivers if if he's you know i I believe he's like 38 39 years old now so as long as he can play um even like 75 percent of what he used to be able to do i think they're going to be fantastic the ty hilton he finally gets a a quarterback again percent just wasn't it basically last year um michael pittman i i thought he was one of the best wide receivers in this class and um I know that he doesn't get a lot of uh, praise because he went to USC and that they, they turn out wide receivers, but then all of a sudden they're not that great in the NFL, but this guy's going to be pretty good. Their offensive line is probably one of the best in the NFL that I've seen in in a long time, especially against the run. They're going to be, you know, lining up and, and just bullying people pretty much going into the season. And then you have Marlon Mack and then Jonathan Taylor. That's, that's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, the defense, like you were saying, with, with, with Buckner now, I believe that that's, that's going to be something to, to watch. That They're going to have to figure out ways to get a little bit more pass rush. I, I do like Justin Houston still, but I would like to see a little bit more out of out of that pass rush group. Uh, Darius Leonard's fantastic, and then their secondary is a little bit of a question mark besides maybe Malik Hooker and a couple of those guys. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Colts perform this, se- this season, but I, I do believe that they have the capabilities to win the Brown. 10 to 12 um 10 to 12 games depending on how their offense clicks and and how the the defense stays together
0: yeah definitely and i think that the colts are actually going to be 10 and 6 as well as uh matt and um just the fact that it's a rather easy schedule that they have outside of four tough games and then one early on in the season uh against minnesota but um you know they are gonna go on a stretch where it's Ravens at Titans versus Packers versus Titans, which, um, you know, for some teams might not be too daunting. Um, but to go and play teams like the Ravens and the Titans who are just majority run, they're going to try to force the ball down your throat and then going to play a Packers team who, despite not having weapons, For Aaron Rodgers and instead drafting a quarterback in the first round um, are going to be able to sling the ball around the field to players that were you know working at fast food restaurants last week Um, they along with Devontae Adams of course uh, I think it's going to be definitely interesting to see how this Colts team plays out but um, you know despite those that testing point the roster and everything that they've done in this offseason has really geared them to be able to be uh, you know Two to three seed in this AFC, um, I think, I believe, Um, but there, I think there's some games that um, will really test them. And in the long run, I don't know if uh, they're going to be able to get. Or in the long run, I think they're going to be able to get over that hump. Um, You know, last year we saw Jacoby Brissett step in for Andrew Luck, who um, mysteriously retired at the beginning or uh, in the middle of the preseason. Um, And so you got to upgrade with Philip Rivers, and he steps into a team. That's built to play around a veteran quarterback. You have an incredible offensive line that has shown time and time again that they can protect their quarterback. A strong running back group with Marlon Mack already there and Jonathan Taylor getting, um, you know, coming in from the draft. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a solid running back in the NFL. I'm not sure exactly how well he's going to be at the beginning. He's going to have to work on the fumble issue that Matt brought up. Um, I'm pretty. Sure he, he, I uh, when I was doing my pre-draft, um, you know, show I was looking up everything uh about him and he had 18 fumbles out throughout his uh wisconsin career which um combined with the other four um you know running backs deandre Swift, jk dobbins who I, cam Akers, and um uh, I, I'm I blanked on the last one, but they had two or quiet Clyde, Clyde. Yep, Clyde edwards Hilaire, Um I was he, he. always seems to go on like forgotten. Yet he was the first one picked. Um, he was the you know they had two combined. So I think that's going to be a big struggle. But where I think this team is really going to come down and you know really need to step it up is like you said at the you know through the passing game, uh, whether that be in the secondary or also getting after the passer. Um, getting to force Buckner was a big step. Um, in the in, as an interior pass rusher um, or interior player against the rush, um, you know they have Denico Autry who uh, he can get to the passer in terms of um, he didn't play much, but when he did, he had a 14% win, uh, rush pass rush win rate last season, which ranked eighth amongst NFL players and all el- like all eligible players, which I think um, is outstanding considering a guy who was majorly ma- majorly a uh, role player and he was kind of a rotation piece, um, but. Uh, Buckner brings a strong force to that Indy front line or ND front line. And I think, um, you know, given the adequate success that this team saw against the D, uh, the rush last season, he could add a little bit in terms of pushing the inside to allow a guy like Justin Houston to get off the outside and get towards the uh, passer. Um, and they also had Xavier Rhodes from uh, Minnesota, who, despite not having too, a great last, you know, two. Mediocre years, I should say, and kind of got burned a lot last season. If he can play anything like he was during his Pro Bowl years, as arguably one of the best corners in the NFL, that secondary could have a completely different outlook with a guy like Malik Hooker in the back end alongside Xavier Rhodes. Um, you know, they have. I, I don't understand why they let go of Pierre Desir. I kind of, you know, that kind of threw up some question marks. But if they can get that pass defense down, they can definitely be a team that. Is not just threatening in the regular season, but as we get closer to the postseason as well.
2: Absolutely, actually, Brandon. Just to touch on that, um, I I was able to catch a clip of Kay Adams from Good Morning Football this morning. She she's a bear. Or I don't know if it's from this morning, but it was recent. She's a Bears fan, but she was rocking the Colts hat, and she mentioned that in the Patrick Mahomes era, the Chiefs have only been held under twenty three points one time. Yeah. And, that, and it was the Colts who did that. They what? They beat them 19-13 last year on Sunday night in Arrowhead with Brissett at quarterback. Now you have Phillip Rivers, who obviously has years on years more of experience. The Colts coming in this year should be a much better team than they are last year. Um, I, I completely understand why there's confidence there for the Colts to be able to knock off some of those teams potentially in the playoffs, you know? Uh, I I think there's going to be a lot of offensive firepower in the AFC this year. Um, You know, the Ravens are primed to be good again. The Chiefs obviously look at this point until we see it unstoppable. Um, You know, the Bills should be very good. Uh, And, you know, the the Colts, uh, obviously, just to mention that again, were the only team to hold the Chiefs under 23 points. So I I think their ability to to play shutdown defense against some of these teams in the AFC is definitely – gonna be something to watch out for come playoff time because that'll definitely be interesting if their defense can uh, consistently give them some of those helpful performances and maybe not put all the pressure on Philip Rivers to have to go out and win the game every week Um, it's actually a question I wanted to to mention when Andrew Luck was there it just never seemed like the Colts could put out even even back in the Peyton Manning days it seemed like the Colts always kind of struggled to build that Really, really good defense. I, I definitely think it was more so during Andrew Luck's tenure than Peyton Manning's. But um, now you have the solid defense paired with the abilities that Rivers still has at his current age. D- does that does that is that are are those the pieces that needed to come together for Indy to take the next step? You know, a good defense so. paired with a veteran quarterback.
1: Yeah, I I I really think so. And 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 that's the thing with the uh... With Andrew Luck, I, I always like to say that they, they sort of took him too early, or they or they didn't uh, they didn't invest around him enough because he was probably one of the best quarterbacks to come out in a long time, it, easily. He he's yeah. he's probably if if he would have kept playing right now, he would he would probably go down as one of like the the best quarterbacks that have ever played in the NFL. The, their issue has always been that their offensive line has just been terrible until the last few years. Right. And that just happened to be after Andrew Luck already got beat up and forced into retirement because of injuries, because of, you know, however many other things that, that he said during his press conference that was really sad, yeah. honestly, just to see a guy who clearly loves the game of football and just can't do it anymore mentally. So it's it's one of those things where they finally beefed up their offensive line after, you know, he was already out the door. Um, and now they have a veteran quarterback in place. They have the defense to, to shut down the Chiefs like like you were talking about. And they even added a guy in DeForest Buckner. So it's just one of those things where I think the Colts are definitely primed to, to maybe shock teams this year. I'm not sure if uh, how much of a shock that would be given their roster. But just um, in terms of being able to beat the top competitors, I think that they have one of the best shots, especially in the AFC South.
0: I 100% agree. In terms of uh, just overall makeup and personnel of an entire team, the Colts definitely have uh, have it all together um, for a team in this AFC South. And um, speaking of beating the top competitors, if you guys are uh, done with the Colts, I think we can move on to the, a Texans team that goes into Arrowhead week one in a bout with the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: Yeah, um, let's get into the Texans.
0: Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, the Texans – They lost some pieces this offseason, and they started it by losing a guy who, on their offense, would take about 15 targets a game, and is arguably one of the best, or is one of the best, I'm not even going to say arguably, because he is, is one of the best wide receivers right now in the NFL, and uh, just, just... Just because of that, I think this offense takes a step back. You know, you still have the miraculous uh, Deshaun Watson, who can just make some incredible plays whenever he needs to. But when you line up a team full of slot receivers, it's just not going to be able to be the same team we saw for. You know, that's won the AFC South four out of the past five years. Um, You know, out four out of the past five years with Jacksonville winning it in 2017. Um, So I just think this team has so many questions surrounding it which is why I think um, they start off super slow. They go 0-4 to start. They get a win against the Jags. Then they lose four or more, go beat the Patriots, beat the Lions, lose to the Colts. Um, they, they'll win against the Bears, lose to the Colts, win it against the Bengals, win against the Titans, finish out 7-9 and after a slow start. Or, yeah, 7-9 and after a slow start. But I just think this is the year um, Houston takes a step back. And that's not to mention, I don't think Bill O'Brien... Makes it to week seventeen of this season that's still employed as the Houston Texans, not just head coach but GM as well, due to his utter incompetence. We've saw this all season.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because uh, I'm not sure how many people would agree with you, but 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 I I tend to agree with you in terms of how how much of a step back they're going to take. I, I don't necessarily have them going seven and nine. Yeah, maybe around nine and seven. You know that that sort of range. But it, it is because their offense is, was pretty much predicated by how well De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins did play. Now, they they seem to want to move people around. They they, they, they do have stills, and they, they, they did get Brandon Cooks, who I, I believe he's a good wide receiver. But when a guy gets traded, I, I believe he's been traded four times in his career over the past, like, something uh, like that. Only six
0: years. Yeah. Something
1: like that. So, like when when a guy gets traded that that often, it it doesn't mean that he's a great talent. It must there there must be something off either because of the injuries he's suffered or because of how how teams have to use him in order to get you know good play out of him. Um, I believe that he does have the skill set to be a good wide receiver in the NFL, and he's shown that plenty of times. But I'm I'm still curious on why he's he continuously gets traded, signs new deals, and then gets traded again. So. Uh, for the Texans, they're they're in a rough spot in terms of their schedule. Their schedule is probably one of the toughest in the AFC South, and um, I think that's because of you know their their winning percentages over the past few years. Uh, their defense, I, I while I do like it, especially in the front seven. Their secondary has always been a question mark to me. I, I I'm not sure how how good a guy like uh, Bradley Robey still is. I don't necessarily even know who um, Eric Murray is, and I guess that's their strong safety. So it's just one of those things where you 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 sit there and you have to look at the Texans in a you know one of those bubbles where they, they could go either way. But I, I believe their their offense is definitely going to take a step back, which is going to lead them to be around nine and seven. And uh, I'm going to have the Colts or the, or the Titans in in the front runner spot this year for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily obviously everyone everyone who knows a, a good deal about football should hate the fact that they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, from a Jags standpoint, you, you like it, but uh, it definitely was a questionable move. I I do like some of the things Houston did. I I think Randall Cobb is always you know no matter what team brings him in, you're bringing in a solid player. Once again, Brandon Cooks does have that potential to uh, be up there as one of the at least in stats uh, a top wide receiver in the nfl you know will fuller and kenny stills are still fine they worked very well with deshaun watson last year uh there there's some potential for this offense to be dangerous if david johnson can return to form but you know we just haven't really seen anything promising out of him since 2015 really I, i don't really remember how well he was in 2016 but 2015, 2014, for sure, were some of those years where he was really turning a lot of heads. But, you know, we're five years removed from that now, and it's really just been a lot of injuries and stuff since then. I mean, it certainly hasn't been good enough for the Cardinals to want to keep him in this new offensive regime they're building in Arizona. So they dealt him, and they got uh, DeAndre Hopkins out of it. I think we all know who won that trade. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely things to like on this Texans roster, but just compared to what it was in years past, Demetrius said it like, we don't really know much about Eric Murray. We don't know how good Bradley Roby still is. Vernon Hargraves couldn't make it in Tampa. He's no longer there. Uh, so there are some questions there. I just don't know if this team has it. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. Potentially, I think that seven. The, the Texans are another team that that seventh seed could be generous to if they are able to hit that nine and seven record. But I, I, I think I agree with Brandon. I see anywhere from seven and nine to eight and eight for the Texans. Um, it's a very tough opening schedule I don't I don't really see any way they beat Kansas City to oh I don't really see any way they they win any of those first four games I think they're just outmatched in all of them even Pittsburgh they probably have the best chance to beat out of those four but Pittsburgh's defense is going to be daunting this year I feel like so having to go on the road early in the season and take them on I don't really see them winning that and. Um, you know, you always see the stat error on screen. Like, teams that have started 0-2 have only made the playoffs so-and-so times. We don't really see teams start 0-4 and, and make the playoffs. So, if the Texans fall into that trap, uh, it's going to be really difficult for them to bounce out of that one. I just don't – I don't really have high expectations for them this year. If it's it's going to be
1: tough. In the, yeah, you got the, it. Well, the, well, I was just going to say that the, the thing is – i i don't want to undersell them too much because i do believe deshaun watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl absolutely and if there's any yeah if there's any quarterback or, or uh, any um position group on a team that can propel them to play above their expectations it's it's the quarterback position so if you do consider t- uh deshaun watson as 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 one of the best then perhaps that they could get over that hump but like you were saying the 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 first four games of their uh, of their season it's just one of those things where i i can't see them outlasting these teams uh, they don't have the offensive firepower anymore and i i i can't unders i can't underscore this enough deandre hopkins made their offense they they he really did um i know that a lot of people want to say that a wide receiver doesn't make a team but when you take out one of the best wide receivers from an offense that uses him in the way that they did everywhere on the field, it's going to make it's gonna make a huge difference. So I guess we'll just have to see, you know, as the season progresses.
0: Definitely. And the thing that just kind of, you, you know, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, uh, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, all guys with tremendous talent. But when the average height of what your wide receivers is 5'10", I don't think you're going to be able to do much uh, on the offensive side of the ball. You don't have that one guy that's the go-up-and-get-it type of player. And, uh, you know, Darren Fells is good, but he is not going to be that, you know, tight end that can rank up there with guys like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey as some of the best um, pass-catching tight ends in the NFL. So uh, just looking at this Houston team, I just don't see them being able to win, um, especially the first four games. And then there's some games in here where uh, I look at them like they might be able to win it, but at the end of the day, I think the offensive firepower that they don't have is going to hold them back. And no matter how good your quarterback is, mm-hmm. it's hard to w- win without weapons. Um, you know, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do it for so long, um, but the one place he can't get is back to the Super Bowl because of that exact thing is that they will not give him weapons to do it. So they might get, you know, I, I say 7-9. Uh, there's a chance to win a few games out there. Um, they You know, I have them losing twice to the Colts. Maybe they split the series with them. Uh, maybe they, you know, win at in Jacksonville, which – uh, you know, it wouldn't be too big of a surprise, but at the end of the day, I just don't see the Texans being able to be that team we've seen as of late that looks tremendous throughout the regular season and then you know also falls apart in the postseason as well.
2: Yeah, I don't really know if there's much more to cover than that, really. Um, I, I, you know, once again, I wouldn't disagree with you if 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 you thought the Texans are still in a position to be solid. Uh, I feel like it could go either way Uh, if Deshaun Watson and I I do think Deshaun Watson, especially if we're looking at it in terms of like the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now under age 26 or something. Deshaun Watson is definitely up there as one of the top five. He's probably top 10 in all football. You know, if you're considering all ages, if Deshaun Watson really is that good, then there is potential for, you know, nine or 10 wins there because, you know, some quarterbacks just have that. That factor in them where they, they can, you know, we've seen it with Aaron Rodgers countless times, especially like when he's playing the Cowboys. There's just there's just something there where uh, if, if he gets the ball down late, the Packers are going to win that game. And it's curious, you know, it's, it's kind of because the Texans really they look terrible in the wild card game. And Deshaun Watson's heroics is what got them on to the second round. Um, you know, if the Texans find themselves in close games this year and, and Deshaun Watson's really that good, there's potential for the Texans, you know, maybe to, to stick around as the, uh, uh the AFC South champion again next year. I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like they lost too much with DeAndre Hopkins and this year, especially, it's going to be hard.
0: Definitely. I agree with you on that. So, uh, I think it's time to move on to our final team uh, of the AFC South and the, you know, AFC championship game runner-ups last season, so um, with the Tennessee Titans, um, th- this is a team that, you know, the Texans, or the Titans are a team that, coming off of last season, um, they look as if they should, you know, continue that success, because um, despite there were there are some turnovers, they, for the most part, they've kept together the core of that team. Um, you know they lost uh, the Jarrell Casey, who was a major part of their defense. Um, they lost Jake Conklin, who was uh, he aided in having the uh, NFL's leading rusher and Derrick Henry last season. Um, so, but at the same time, you do still have that NFL leading rusher and Derrick Henry. You have a guy uh, Ryan Tannehill who can be that game manager that's needed to get the job done when. Derrick Henry might be having a rough game, which I believe him to have at the beginning of this season. You know, we always see Derrick Henry go out and he starts slow. He doesn't always come out and bust out of the gate, and then throughout the season he picks up steam. He's like, you know, as he continues to truck forward, he just continues to get better and better, uh, which is quite rare for someone um, to do. But he's done it since he's been in the NFL. Um, But I think this Texans or this Titans team. I keep saying that this Titans team uh, is going to be a very solid team. Um, but they just have w- what I look at as a pretty difficult schedule. Um, you know, they're going to go on week one uh, and play the Broncos, a Broncos team that I believe to take a big step this season after a fantastic um, draft in terms of getting weapons for Drew Lock. They're going to be able to put up some incredible numbers offensively uh, if he if Drew Lock cr- progresses the way I believe him to do. So I think. Um, You know, they take a loss in week one um, against a team like the Broncos. They'll, um, you know, flip around and beat the Jaguars in week two. Lose to the Vikings in Minnesota, which I think is going to be a big game for them. Um, You know, we're going to really see what they're made of, and I just don't think they're going to have enough to hang with that Vikings team. Uh, You know, they lost Stephon Diggs, but they gained Justin Jefferson, who might not be as good as Stephon Diggs, but he's dang near close um, in terms of being able to uh, make plays out of nothing um, and so, and then they're going to play the Steelers who I think they win and week five is going to be a big thing or a big game for the, this Titans team. It's going to be against the bills in their home stadium, but the bills are built near, they nearly mirror the way the Titans are built. They're a strong team. You know, they play good defense. They have a solid rushing attack. Um, you know, their quarterback seems as if he's on the way up the mountain, but at the same time, I just don't see the Titans being able to beat the Bills, given I think the Bills' defense is a bit more um, progressed and just better overall than the Titans' defense after losing guys like Jerome Casey in the middle, Logan Ryan on the outside. We're going to see the Bills kind of pick them apart. Then I think they go on a three-game winning streak against the Texans, Bengals, and Bears. Lose to the Colts, lose to the Ravens, beat the Colts in Indy. Uh, I know it's a bit flipped, so uh, I have the Colts them losing to the Colts at home but beating them in Indy. And then beating the Browns, losing to the Jaguars, um, beating the Lions, beating the Packers in a Week 16 Green Bay matchup, and it's a game that makes people think, "Oh wow, this Texans team or this Titans team is really on the come up. They're really going to be able to do what they did last year at 10 and 6." And then I had them ultimately falling short in Houston and possibly grabbing that seventh seed in the AFC in the AFC, but not winning the division with a record of 9 and 7
2: yeah and just one thing i'm gonna add i i could see really anywhere nine and seven ten six maybe eleven and five if yeah. everything goes right um so that that packers game is time slotted for uh 8 20 yeah. uh, sunday night football i think basically whether or not that game gets flexed out will tell you all you need to know about the Titans season um the you know the the packers it, 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 they have to be really bad to get flexed out of sunday night football uh, because at the same time it is about ratings uh, it's got to be a good game. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers will be always be on there. If this game is still in Sunday night when Week 16 roams around, then I, I think it'll be because the Titans have had a good season up to that point. Um, if it gets flexed out, it'll probably be because the Titans faltered a bit through the season. But if they go nine and seven and are in position, uh, you know, to make a push for the playoffs by the time that Packers game comes around, it'll it'll stay in Sunday night. So it's basically just a matter. at least for me that that's kind of like a checkpoint on that schedule is what do the Titans need to do to keep that game in the Sunday night time slot kind of is one of the ways I'm looking at it
1: yeah for for me the the Titans are an interesting team they have one of the uh, best running backs in the game and Derek Henry I know that a lot of people undersell um, the running backs in the NFL but I believe for a team that's built like the Titans are that's a very important piece um i love a.j brown Um, i believe Corey davis still has talent i know that he hasn't been the most productive wide receiver in the nfl throughout his career but um i I believe you saw last year he gained a little bit of steam during that during that season um adam humphreys i i I don't necessarily know how much he how well he played last year i I think there was like a confusion between him and marcus mariota I, i think he came on a little bit more with Tannehill. um their their defense is probably one of the best defenses in the NFL even though they got rid of uh, Gerald Casey which was a little bit surprising yeah they do have Jeffrey Simmons who's coming in and he's he if if he didn't get injured last year he probably would have been a top 10 uh, top 10 pick last season but he ended up going I believe it was late first round and played a little bit last year and I, I think this year he's gonna have a phenomenal season Um, I have always loved Harold Harold Landry. I've always loved Rashawn Evans. Those guys are going to be great. Um, Their secondary has always been good with Dory Jackson, who uh, I believe is a little bit underrated uh, by most people. Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard, yep. He's he's good. Yeah, you you, you have the pieces, and it's just one of those things where I think that as long as they can keep it together and as long as Tannehill can keep being that game manager kind of guy who has his – very very high highs and you know not too low of lows but if, if if you end up getting that Ryan Tannehill that played in the playoffs where he barely threw the ball barely completed passes I'm not sure how they're going to be able to win too many games but I I, I, do, I do still have them winning around you know nine to eleven games this year yeah. and potentially you know being around where the Colts are as far as the AFC mm-hmm. South goes.
0: Definitely. I think uh, at the end of the season, we're going to see um, the Colts and the Titans kind of trying to jockey for position in the AFC South. They're going to be tied going into the last game. I'm pretty sure that's how I had things falling out. Yeah, um, they're going to be tied going into the last game. That The difference that it makes is that I had the Titans losing in Week 17 compared to the Colts winning in Week 17 to give the Colts that, that edge to be able to, you know, triumph over the Titans in this division. But um, the Titans are definitely still a solid team. Um, you know, there's some different players going into different places, but uh, it, it's all going to rely on what I believe to be that, uh, you know, Tannehill to sustain the level of success we saw from him last season um, to get Tennessee back to the playoffs. And if he can, uh, you know, continue that success, we might see them uh, be able to beat a team like uh, the, Jaguars, or, yeah, the Jaguars or even the Texans in week 17 um, to be able to get over that hump over the Colts into the playoffs. But as of right now, I just don't see that happening.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it can really different. go either way with them. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a really tough schedule. So it, it, you know, it's just a matter of how well they can play as a team. It's going to be interesting to see how some of these losses really hurt the Titans. There's a potential that guys like Jake Conklin could make or break the season. Uh, you know, we just have to see, I think the pieces are still there for them to be good. It's just a matter of, I I think, you, you know, we were kind of saying this with the bills I don't think it's a matter of, will Tennessee be good? Tennessee is going to be very competitive in all of their games. And I I think, I think we can go ahead and mark them down for nine. But the question is, can't like, can they be better than that? How, how good can Tennessee really be? Um, I, I think a lot of that rides on Ryan Tannehill. I think part of the, you know, he was a big part making that switch from Mariota to Ryan Tannehill was a big part of the Titans turning their season around last year. Then by the time the playoffs came around, it was the Derrick Henry show, obviously, but you know, there were some games where they won. Uh, you know, on the arm of Tannehill. You know, I'm trying to think specifically. I think the Raiders game, he was good for like 292 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. I'm going to see if I can pull up some of his stats. But he came through for uh, the, the Titans very often. Yeah. Uh, what needed needed him to last year. So it's it's going to be the similar kind of thing. And you know, we we saw in 2016 in Miami that when there was a competent team around Tannehill, he was very good up until he got hurt, and I, I I really think that's the key for him. Tannehill isn't going to be a world beater if the team around him isn't great, but he showed in 2016 with a solid team around him he can do damage, and he showed that once again last year with a solid team around him he can do damage. I mean, he was the highest-rated passer in football. Uh, I think, that, I think that, that says a lot about uh, what he can do if the pieces are there. Uh, so, you know, once again, I, I call him the MVP. I'm really big on Ryan Tannehill. I like him a lot, so – uh, you know, obviously, I hope yeah. he can repeat the success, but there are a lot of factors there, so it'll be interesting.
1: Yep. I like the comparison um, you made between the, the Bills and the Titans. I feel like they are a similar team <clears> in terms of you know how they're going to be a good team, but it's it, it is going to come down to how their quarterbacks play. If if they can continue to be as good as they were, although I'm not high on um, Josh Allen at all for the Bills, but for the uh, Ryan Tannehill, I feel like. He does have the big playability with his arm, the accuracy, um, much better than Josh Allen, to 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 bring the the Titans to around that nine to ten, maybe eleven game uh, win win season. Um, that that opening schedule, it's not it, it it appears daunting at first, especially going into Denver, but when you get to play Jacksonville at home, that should settle them down a bit, and then you have at Minnesota, and then against the the Steelers. It seems it seems really challenging, but I feel like if there's one team that's going to be able to go into a place like Minnesota and then play the, the um, play the Steelers at home, it's it's going to be the Titans. So we'll we'll see what what they can do next year, but um, it's it's just a it's one of those teams where it's a wild card, but at the same time, you know that you know what you're going to get.
2: Right, and uh, just one little thing to touch on the Titans, you consider their playoff run last year. They went into New England. They won. They went into Baltimore. They beat the crap out of them, and then they were competitive in Kansas City. I don't really know if – I don't think – this is a Titans team next year that should enter the season fearless. They shouldn't fear going anywhere on the road. They 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 beat New England in the road on the playoffs. That alone is hard enough to do, and then they followed it up with that win over Baltimore. And Like I said, competitive in Kansas City, you know – you already have eight home games. Uh, I I just based off what they were able to do last year and what they're going to try and do again this year. I I don't think road atmospheres are going to be something that uh, is going to be able to knock Tennessee socks off. Uh, And, you know, I I think that's potentially something that can help them uh, be the best team in the division. You know, when you have to go in to, uh, to places like Minnesota and, you got to go to like Baltimore on the road. I mean, like we said, we already saw that last year. You got to go play Green Bay on the road. These are atmospheres that you know a team might usually fear. The Titans won't because we saw what they could do on the road in the playoffs last year. They can do a lot of damage.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, with final division rankings as we move on, uh, you know, I think we're uh, done with the AFC South. So I have the Indianapolis Colts going ten and six. And we see them benefit from their offseason acquisitions and move into first in the AFC South for the first time since 2014 um you know the titans have a chance to squeeze into the seventh seed in my opinion with this nine and seven record um but i think they get off to a rocky start and split this series with the colts which ultimately leads to them falling short of the division title and then you have the jacksonville jaguars and the houston texans tied at seven and nine um you know the jaguars they're counted out they're not looking as if they're going to be able to you know win any games in terms of you know projections and stuff like that but i think they're out to prove something they're out to prove that they uh, you know Uh, They have nothing to lose in 2020, and if Minshew takes the reins of the offense the way I believe he will um, this season with uh, a system that's geared towards his strengths, the Jags can win anywhere from six to eight games in my opinion. And then there's the Texans who lost too much this offseason to be able to bounce back and get back to that one spot and ultimately fall from first to worst in this division and ultimately move into a new regime taking over in Houston just next season
2: absolutely yeah i think i pretty much agree uh for the most part i don't really like to give the exact records uh this this early before the season i kind of like to stick more to the decimal so i got the colts being first in the division with 10.5 wins you know really anywhere from 10 to 11 i think is their range then titans in second with that 9.5 wins uh, i think that's a fair projection for them you know they can really be anywhere from 9 to 11 but i think uh winning 9 or 10 is more realistic uh And then i have the texans at the 8.5 you know they're they're, i think eight and eight or nine and seven are the most realistic records for them and then the jags that i think they're going to be fourth in the division and but i i don't really think that that necessarily means they're going to be bad i still have them pinned for you know anywhere in that seven win eight win range you know maybe six uh could, could potentially happen but i still see a successful season and uh that's not even a bad thing because Uh, you know, say this isn't the year for the Jags. That's fine. No, we, none of us were really expecting that. Then if they're ready to take the next step in 2021, well, how the NFL schedule is constructed, they'll have a couple fourth place teams on their schedule next year. They'll have a bit of an easier schedule when they're ready to uh, start taking the next step. So I think that's something that, uh, you know, kind of just looking on the bright side of it, even if, you know, they do finish fourth and they have a competitive season, that good team that they're building will be able to come out and maybe snag a few wins the following season. So that's how I see it playing out.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you guys much on, um, on the records. I feel like the Colts are going to have anywhere from 10 to 12 wins. Um, probably closer to 12. I I just really like that Colts team, especially because of their offensive line and their potential running game. Um, And then you got the the Titans in the same bracket around 10 to 12, just because of the same reason that their defense is great. Their running game is going to be fantastic. Um, And and then you have the the, the Texans who I believe they're, they're probably not going to have the best season around eight, seven to eight, the nine to 10 wins. But I I, I do believe because of Watson, I still, I still want to harp on that a little bit more uh, that, that he could push them over the top in order to win those, those 10 games. And, and you just never know and then uh the jaguars i'm a little bit more down and maybe that's because of how closely i, I follow them or cover them um it's four to six wins I, I i just see that uh being earmarked to them and and i i think that the schedule that they have it, it just makes sense to ha- how, how young the team is um it's not necessarily the worst thing when a team loses um obviously you want to win every week but at the same time, I do believe they have the potential to maybe they'll lose a few games extra this year to win a few games extra next year, that kind of thing. So right. we'll, 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 we'll see what, what ends up happening. And um, Gar- it's going to be all about Gardner Minshew for the Jaguars. It's going to be all about um, quarterbacks for this entire
0: division, really. Absolutely. It, it, that, that is a great statement. It's definitely about the quarterbacks in this division. And we're going to see exactly how things fall based off the quarterbacks' play. Um, you know, you got Deshaun Watson leading the pack in terms of talent, in my opinion, and then in Philip Rivers, uh, Ryan Tannehill right, right around the same, um, you know, the same, ter- I don't know how to put it, same standing, I guess, same yeah. um, it, uh, right now, uh, not overall in their career, just like right now in terms of how good they are. And then you have Minshew is really the wild card in this. All of this, you know, he could come out and he could put on a season that, um, you know, it, it excites Jaguars fans and makes it makes people believe he could actually be that franchise quarterback. Or he could come out stink it up and lead to the Jaguars getting a top five pick yet again in the uh, NFL draft. Hey man, 2017,
2: 2018, and 2019 have all seen second year. Well, Brady won it in 2017, but it was Carson Wentz's award up until he got hurt. There's something about second year quarterbacks these past few years in the NFL, they've just been lighting it up. So, you know, maybe it's Minshew's turn to be the, uh, so, and there's just as good of a possibility that a sophomore slump occurs. That's what we saw with Baker Mayfield, but uh, you know, maybe coming into his second year, Minshew's that guy who kind of continues that trend we've seen for the past few years and has that good of a season, you know, so it'll be interesting to see.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of Baker Mayfield, this Saturday, we'll be doing our AFC North division preview. Um, we'll get into talking about the Browns, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Ravens. And, you know, you talked about, you know, Baker Mayfield. And uh, that that was my guy coming out of college. I really liked Baker Mayfield. I thought he was, uh, you know, just what he brought to the table. His fire, his passion for the game was something that I really enjoyed. And um, I really hope he's able to turn it. And get it together this season, but um, you know I haven't looked at the Browns' schedule yet, so that not, that might not be able that something that's able to happen. But given mm-hmm. that roster, the Browns are they're looking up. But I think we got ahead of ourselves last year when talking about how good yeah. the Browns were going to be in 2019. And maybe without the high expectations and kind of the you know people being a bit pessimistic towards them, they can kind of get to being a team that you know. It, their their roster shows their record their their sh- record shows the talent that's on their roster
2: yep. uh, yeah so Saturday we'll tell you all you need to know about the browns uh we'll fill you in on what you need to know about the Steelers Ravens and bengals but I think that's uh we're good here for today absolutely
0: uh, So – Demetrius, yeah. thank you for joining us. We, we, we had a some good conversation, and we're glad that you were able to take some time from covering the yeah. Gators and the Jaguars to spend some time with us on the podcast. It's
2: yes, awesome hey, having you on. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, no problem, guys. Uh, it was it was really fun, and I, I'm anticipating being on again at, at some point this season. Absolutely. We'll definitely have you on
0: again. All right. Well, uh, signing off here from Sunshine State Takes, I'm Brandon Carroll alongside my partner, Matt McConnell. And uh, we'll see you next time.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you guys for listening. Have a have a good rest of your week. Have a good weekend. We'll see you guys Saturday.